choose a diet, just eat an array of plant and animal yeah. foods from nature, get rid of the <laughs> junk food. That's it, that, it's really that simple. Hey guys, welcome back to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. I'm your host, Jazzy, and today I'm speaking with Laura Lyons, who is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Her goal is to help women understand their bodies better, take the fear out of food, and help women thrive in a world of diet culture and confusion. She is a food-first practitioner and helps women conquer their symptoms and create balance within through mineral balancing, comprehensive lab testing, diet, and lifestyle changes. This is honestly a Q&A for me. <laughs> You'll hear. I just asked a lot of random questions that I had about nutrition and wellness and all that stuff that I think will benefit so many people, especially women and especially people who are pursuing entrepreneurship or they're juggling a full-time job and potentially trying to figure out how to start something on the side too. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, Laura, welcome to the podcast. Hi. So excited to have you here. Yeah. So on this show, we talk a lot about business growth and ways to make money online and that sort of thing, but we haven't done an episode on health and wellness. And so mm. I think this is really important because we obviously have to take care of our bodies in order to show up for ourselves, show up for our business and our family and everything else that we have going on. Um, so yeah, so welcome. I'm looking forward to learning a lot more from you. Yeah, no, awesome. Yeah, I think even the stuff we're going to be talking about, I do feel like we'll be able to bring it into entrepreneurship and all of that mm -hmm. too. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. So can you tell us a little bit about your background um, and what you do? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm Laura Lyons. I am a functional uh, health practitioner. I work with women mostly um, on mostly with about, you know, hormones and digestion are my main uh, focus points. But yeah, I mean, I've created a few different courses. I have a whole course on digestion. I also have a course on hormones. Um, all of it's nutrition based. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I also just came out with a ebook called Eat Your Prenatal. So that's awesome. It's all about um, having a more food based approach to um, your pregnancy as opposed to taking mm -hmm. a catch-all supplement like a prenatal yeah so yeah yeah that's really cool I actually just had a baby almost eight months oh. ago now yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I saw that you had that ebook and I was like oh man I wish I had that when I was yeah. going through you know you pregnancy. would still benefit you would still totally <laughs> benefit yeah oh yeah because it's all about um you know the nutrients that we need just to keep our body nourished and feeling good especially mm -hmm. postpartum a lot of times women feel worse after they have a baby and they're like oh my god like i've just got so depleted it had, that had to have been yeah. why but a lot of it yeah. comes down to the nutrition piece that was missing all along so mm -hmm. yeah 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 i think especially if you're nursing i i definitely yeah. felt completely drained <laughs> Totally. You know? Your so. your nutrient, your requirements are so much higher. You know, we yeah. forget about that. A lot of mm -hmm. us are like, I want to get my body back and I'm going to go work out like no, a crazy you have to person. Eat so much. Yeah. So much. And people don't realize that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Well, yeah. I guess along those lines, <laughs> I saw a post recently where you were saying that people may have unrealistic expectations when it comes to women's health, especially due to masculine lifestyles. So can you talk a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the great thing about being a woman is that our hormones ebb and flow, right? We have a monthly mm -hmm. cycle. So we're living in this world that is based off of a masculine cycle. Men have a 24-hour cycle. So that's why, you know, the nine-to-five jobs, they, that works great for them. But for us, having a nine-to-five job might not necessarily work best for us based off of our hormones since mm -hmm. they ebb and flow throughout the month. So we are, we're living in this overly masculinized, like go, 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 super stressful life. You know, all of us are, we're all living this lifestyle basically yeah. until we come to maybe my page and realize, wow, what have I been doing? <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And <laughs> this is another reason why a lot of women become entrepreneurs because they have more freedom, right? Like right. they're able to work with their, with their bodies and not against it in these nine to five jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, basically most of us have been living in this extreme state of stress our whole lives because we're told to just do, 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 go, go, go. And that doesn't work for women. It never has. Um, you know, it wasn't even until when, when I'm trying to think of like the time period of when women started going to work, you know, nine to five. And that has been pretty detrimental on us having to show up and work nine to five at certain times of our cycle. So yeah. it's not saying to like get rid of the nine to five job, but we also need to tune in to our cycle and understand and not continue to push, push, push and yeah. understand why at certain times of our cycle, we might, you know, maybe feel a little bit more lazy or maybe mm -hmm. we're like on top of it. Like this is the time to do a project, you know, like yeah. that all changes throughout the month. And you might notice that some days you're like, I am just not having it. And then other mm -hmm. days you're like, I, I am, I'm on top of the world. Like I can do everything, you know? Right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think the masculine lifestyle that we're all living, the super stressful lifestyle, is having a downstream effect on our hormones and our fertility and just our overall how we feel, just overall mm -hmm. how we feel as women. We're just, we're no longer connected to that piece anymore. And um, yeah. a lot of us are going on birth control so that we can continue to do, do, do and have this masculine lifestyle, which again, yeah. that's so detrimental in the long run. So, oh um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's so many directions this conversation can go <laughs> and so yeah. many questions I want to ask you. I know I've heard a lot about cycle syncing and mm. I'm sure you've heard that term used before. Yeah. And basically it's like even working out, you know, you can work yeah. out in alignment with your cycle, which is really interesting. And then working and the specific tasks that you're doing each month. So fascinating. I haven't attempted it. I need to learn more about it, but I feel like we could do a whole episode yeah. on that. <laughs> that totally, alone. totally. And it's yeah. different for everybody, you know? I mean, some people um, kind of just depends on the state of your body and how resilient to stress you are. So a lot of mm -hmm. the work that I do is about helping women build resiliency in their body because you're never going to get rid of stress, right? Like it's pretty impossible. So it has a lot to do with building up resiliency. So, mm -hmm. you know, some people are on that camp of where you should never never do hard workouts. You should never work out on your cycle, things like that. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of in between because it really depends on the person really, truly, and their resiliency to stress. So okay. a lot of my work is about building up resiliency so that the, when you do have stress, your body can handle it and you don't, because you know, the stress is the driver of disease. So, um, you know, the more stress you keep filling your bucket with, that's when it's going to overflow and you're going to have symptoms. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my work is just about building resiliency to these stressors, basically. So Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. 
So I know you're an expert on digestion and the digestive system overall and how that relates to your metabolism and hormones and physical, mental health, everything, basically. (laughs) Can you give like an overview of how that's all connected? Yeah, for sure. So basically, in my practice specifically, the first things we work on, I talk a lot about hormones, but it all comes, the hormone piece is not the root cause. Your digestive system and your minerals are usually what's out of whack that's creating these down the stream effects that are then impacting your hormones. Mm -hmm. So um, basically, it comes down to minerals and nutrients and how well we're able to absorb those nutrients and those minerals. Basically, our entire body runs off of minerals. And if our digestive system is out of whack, guess what? We're not going to have minerals. Minerals give us energy to be able to support our thyroid, to support our adrenal glands, to support every process. Just me doing this with my hands right now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it requires (laughs) minerals. It requires energy just to be able to do that. So our body is made up of this. Our cells are made up of that. And our digestive system, if it's out of whack, which most of us have pretty wrecked digestive systems just growing up on processed foods and you know stress all of the things our our yeah. digestive system will only function if it's in a parasympathetic parasympathetic state so a non-stressed out state is the only time our digestive system will actually function so <laughs> we most of us have you know digestive yeah. issues and then yeah. down the stream then we're then we're not utilizing nutrients and minerals to be able to support every process in our body, every single process in our body requires minerals. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, sometimes when you go to the doctor, they'll do blood work and you'll kind of see maybe some of your vitamin levels. I know, especially when I was pregnant, <laughs> you know, they mm. did blood work and I was deficient in vitamin D. So I had to take a supplement for that and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I don't remember ever taking a test for minerals, like assessing where I'm yeah. at there. So what sorts of testing is available to help people kind of understand their overall health currently. Totally. So yeah, this is kind of where blood work, uh, you know, I like blood work for certain purposes, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't show the full picture. So it's like, okay, great. Your vitamin D was low. Why is it low though? So that's where all the other testing kind of comes in. So is it because you're low on copper? Is it also because you're low on magnesium? A lot of that stuff won't show up on a blood test, but it will show up on like a hair tissue mineral analysis test because it's showing what's going on in your tissues. So, and what's going on on like a cellular level. So Mm. um, hair tissue mineral analysis, that gives us a outline of all of your minerals, what's going on there, what imbalances we're having, if things are low, high, you know, all of the things. Also heavy metals are on there. So heavy metals can actually displace minerals in your body. So Mm. if you don't have minerals in your body to be able to detox heavy metals, then you're going to be full of heavy metals. Or if you have too many heavy metals, that's going to take place of minerals and your minerals are going to be really low. So, um, so you can also see the heavy metals and then you can also see, um, what's going on with like your thyroid, your adrenals, your blood sugar, all of that based on a mineral (laughs) cellular level. Yeah, it is a cool test. So (laughs) that is the test I usually recommend when it comes to minerals. Um, I do also offer like GI map stool testing. Love it. Absolutely love that. Um, That's again, it's coming to the two things that I love the most, which is going to be your digestive system and your minerals. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those two are going to determine everything. Um, A comprehensive blood panel can be helpful especially when it comes to looking at like thyroid or lipids, things like that, or possibly, you know, if we want to look deeper
deeper at your blood sugar, like your glucose, insulin, HbA1c, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not super accurate when it comes to hormones or minerals or nutrient status, basically. Yeah. Um, the Dutch test is also great. That's a hormone panel test. It shows what's going on with like your estrogen, your estrogen detox pathways, progesterone, testosterone, all of the things. Um, also, your adrenals are on there as well. So we're able to see um, a snapshot of what's going on with your cortisol. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a great test too. But again, like that wouldn't be my first mode of action because hormones are downstream. So I, I would rather see something like an HTMA and a GI map to see what's going on in that department. And mm -hmm. then we can, that's, that will likely address what's going on with the hormone stuff too. Okay. Where do people find these tests? Because <laughs> they can't yeah, get them at so like a regular doctor, right? Yeah, you would have to go to a functional, like somebody like me, a functional nutritionist, functional yeah. doctor, maybe like a naturopath. Um, but yeah, your regular doctor, I've had people like take, the, ask their doctors if they can, you know, run these tests and they just look at them like, no, nah, I don't read those. I don't do that. <laughs> like they don't, yeah. they don't understand it. So, you know, yeah. so yeah, you would have to find like an alternative um, type of doctor or nutritionist to run them for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then for that hair test that you mentioned, how does that work? <laughs> like how much of your yeah. hair do you have to yeah. do? <laughs> I know that's always the scary part. That's like the one thing we always get asked. <laughs> um, so it's not as much hair as you think. And you can take it from a few different sections. It is from the scalp though. So you're not taking like a bottom piece. We're seeing what's going on with your cells over the past three months. So we need it from your scalp. So you do have to cut a little piece from your scalp and you can do it in like two different areas. So that way you're not like taking a chunk from there, but it's just like a little, just a tiny, tiny little sample, like not even an inch that you'd be taking. Um, so yeah, it's not terrible. I mean, obviously some people freak out about it, but I have people that run tests. I mean, I do it on myself every like three to six months and I'm not bald yet. So <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not that much hair. Do it all the way underneath <laughs> your hair. So can cover it up yeah yeah you put it it's like at the base you know of your head so you don't yeah. you don't even see it yeah <laughs> yeah that's really interesting I'd yeah I'd be curious just to see like where I fall it'd probably be terrible yeah well you did <laughs> just have a baby your results yeah, yeah. well yeah. you did just have a baby and you do lose about 10 percent of your minerals to your baby typically so mm. um unless like you were super intentional with eating and making sure you're getting in all of these certain nutrients and all of the things during pregnancy you likely are a bit depleted for sure yeah until yeah. you unless you're working on those specific things mm -hmm. so yeah yeah which most people probably aren't if they don't no. know where they're at, you know, currently. Totally, totally. Mm -hmm. And you can supplement your way into a deficiency. So you kind of have to be cautious of that. You know, we can't just be taking random supplements like willy nilly just because we think we need them. You can mm -hmm. supplement your way into a deficiency or a mineral imbalance. So Yeah, talk more about that because I was just about to ask you, it sounds like yeah. you probably aren't a huge fan of supplements, especially like vitamins. Yeah. You have your own book about eating your prenatals instead of, you know, taking a capsule or totally. tablet or whatever. Yeah. Talk yeah. a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I have always been a food first practitioner through and through. I always mm -hmm. feel like you got to have those found that foundational step down before you go and supplement. Um, I have seen people do damage by supplementing with things like zinc. Vitamin D is one of them too, because that can cause calcification. So that can create mm -hmm. um, improper um, calcium to magnesium ratios. Um, but yeah, basically 
I, I don't necessarily demonize supplements. I do find that they do have a purpose. And especially when I, so if somebody comes to my practice and we run all four testing, we do the GI map, the Dutch, the HTMA and a blood panel. Sometimes might require a good amount of supplementation, especially if there's a lot of gut bacteria present, if um, we have high estrogen, if there's just a lot of stuff, a lot of blood sugar stuff going on, um, that might require a good amount of supplements for a short period of time. But my main goal here is most people feel better just by incorporating nutrient-dense foods and getting rid of the junk. That literally most people will feel better that way. So you need to have that foundational step down before we start adding in supplements. The supplements aren't going to do anything. Or what if your digestive system is so wrecked, right? Are you actually, you know, if you're not working on the mineral piece and the digestion piece together and you're just taking random supplements but not addressing digestion at all, you're not gonna be absorbing any of that stuff. It's just gonna be a waste of money, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. so yeah, you can definitely supplement your way into a major imbalance in some cases. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like I never yeah. thought about, oh, maybe there's such thing as taking too much of a vitamin totally. or a supplement, you know, and it causes yeah. issues with something else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. vitamin D, like I said, can cause like calcification. So we can create some calcium issues. Zinc can cause copper deficiency. Um, iron can create a copper issue or just a dysregulation issue in general. It can also feed bacteria in your gut. So if you're taking iron supplements, your gut is, if you can feed pathogens, parasites, things like that, if you're taking iron, um, mm -hmm. there's just a list of supplements that I'm just like, no, we don't, we don't want to be fooling around with those. And they're, they tend to yeah. be the ones that most doctors recommend. Just yeah. Most yeah. Of I was going to say that. iron is another one. <laughs> especially yep. during pregnancy they're like yep you need to take more of this so yeah yeah our book actually goes over all of that um because it, it is it's a hoax it's it's not true <laughs> so, oh my gosh yeah <laughs> yeah after this actually... i'm just gonna have to like go through the kitchen and be like take everything away <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just not worth it. I mean, just get it through food, you know, until you mm -hmm. actually know what you need, just get it through food. That's basically, yeah. that's the goal, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So what are functional foods? And then can you give some examples of what those might be? Yeah, totally. So, um, I am a huge fan. I, again, everything about what I do is about adding in functional foods as opposed to supplementation. If you can nature mm -hmm. knows best everything. This is another thing. Everything comes in its perfect package in nature, right? So if you're nothing comes in isolation, like mineral supplements do, right. Or like any vitamin <laughs> supplement yeah. in nature with food, it comes with all of the enzymes, all of the cofactors, all of the things you need to actually utilize and absorb those nutrients. So functional foods are just extremely, extremely nutrient dense, like superfoods, basically. Um, they contain, like, I would say that they contain more like medicinal benefits as opposed to just food, right? Um, mm -hmm. So we have like beef liver. That's nature's multivitamin. It is loaded. Um, for a long time, people were saying that's all you need instead of a prenatal. That's not the case. Um, you do need more than that, but it is nature's multivitamin. It is incredible. It is one of the most nutrient dense food foods on the planet. Um, the thing is, is a lot of the foods that are functional foods are actually foods that our ancestors 
were smart about, you know, they would, organ meats were prized. That was like, it was a prized possession and they would give it to the people that needed it the most. So they would give it to pregnant women, women that are trying to conceive. Like those were the first people to receive these organ meats in traditional cultures because they knew how nutrient dense it was. So mm -hmm. Our ancestors were way smarter than us. They had way more innate wisdom than we'll ever have just because of our modern society. Um, but yeah, beef liver is an amazing one. Bee pollen. Um, bee pollen actually contains all of the nutrients that your body physically needs to survive, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Bee pollen is incredible, incredible. Loaded with B vitamins. It has some copper. It's just a really incredible food. So mm -hmm. bee pollen, um, oysters are also incredible. Major fertility food. Um, loaded with selenium and copper. Really great for your thyroid. Um, Raw carrot salad, I talk about that a lot, which is incredible too. Um, that, it's actually, it's just shredded carrots with coconut oil and some apple cider vinegar. And mm. you just, you would eat it like a couple times a day, once a day, and it actually helps to get rid of excess estrogen from your body. Um, it also helps with like endotoxin and pathogens and things like that in your gut. So that would also be another type of functional food. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I have a list, but I think those wow. ones are, yeah. those are like no, my that's favorite good, ones. <laughs> yeah. Good list yeah. for people to start out with. Yeah. 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 So then I guess on the other hand, what are some common foods that irritate the gut that people should consider mm. eliminating from their diet? Totally. Um, so yeah, in my course, I talk way, way extensively about this, but it is different for every person. It really depends on mm. where you're coming from. Um, Basically, raw vegetables, I have a major issue with those. And most, not like me personally, like I can eat them, but people that have digestive issues, they, most people will be like, oh, I've started getting really healthy and I'm eating all these vegetables and these salads. Yeah. And they're like, why do I feel so terrible though? And it's like, oh, because you're not digesting that. Do you actually think you're digesting this, this leafy raw green? <laughs> like we're not, you know, we're not herbivores. Like we, we can't digest digest that stuff. We have cows to digest that stuff. We have other animals to digest that stuff. So raw vegetables can be super, super irritating to our gut. Um, wow. Nuts and seeds. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah. Cruciferous vegetables are another big one, like broccoli, cauliflower, things like that. Beans, legumes, those can also be super irritating to our digestive system. Um, but yeah, it does kind of depend on the person and the state of your digestive system. We really need to be focusing on superior foods. I would call those more inferior foods. Mm, so okay. you're not going to get a lot of nutrients. You know, our soils are so depleted and so terrible nowadays. Like we're not going to get much from that type of those types of foods. But we do have animals that are really intelligent and awesome. And they actually can digest these, <laughs> these greens and these things as they're supposed to. And they then supply us meat, dairy, eggs, things like that, that are super nutrient dense for, you know, for us to consume and super, super, super nutrient dense food. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the raw vegetables, like cruciferous vegetables, beans and legumes, things like that, which in the modern, like in the world today, plant-based diets, they would be yeah. all about that, right? Like those are, that's what everybody needs to be eating to be healthy. Um, I would say the opposite. I like a very diverse diet. So if you're able to eat those things on occasion and not feel bloated and gassy and terrible, then that's fine. But we don't want that to take over from the super nutrient dense animal based types type foods. 
Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I actually was a vegetarian for <laughs> like over 10 years, like a very long yeah. time. And then when I was pregnant, all of a sudden I just started craving meat and I hadn't there had you it go. in like over there 10 years. Go. I'm like, what is happening to me? <laughs> and I've always said from the very beginning, like, I'm not going to deprive myself of anything. Like, yeah, I feel like eating it. I'm going to eat it. So that's what I've done. <laughs> Totally. So I started eating no. meat again while I was pregnant and since then yeah. and now I'm still nursing and I like still have that urge and I'm like, yeah, I guess the baby just wants it. <laughs> you yeah. Know, I blame no, her, that's but, good. Yeah. Good for you though for listening. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people don't, especially when they have really high like convictions with like certain like being a certain person and they've made something their identity and they mm-hmm. can't fathom that their body is craving these foods. Um, but you needed it, you know. It's a very it's a time in your life that is very energy (laughs) extensive and you just you needed it so it's good yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that is funny actually I had so many other people being like but you're a vegetarian you're not supposed to eat that (laughs) so it was like everybody else was telling me like no don't eat that you're not supposed to yeah I'm the one that's like "Eh, I don't care I'm just gonna try it see what happens you know and I was yeah Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know a lot of the stuff that I do talk about is it seems to be controversial, which I think is hilarious. It's like when you actually think about how like the body works and how we need certain particular nutrients and all of the things like it, it's honestly common sense. It just makes sense that this is, this is how we should be eating. We should be eating a diverse diet of plants and animals and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting all of our nutrients from superior sources, especially now that our soils are so depleted and things like that. And it's just so funny how a lot of people will think it's so controversial, you know, that I'm just saying, like, just eat an array of foods. Like, don't don't go don't choose a diet. Just eat an array of plant and animal yeah. foods from nature. Get rid of the junk food. That's it. That's, it's really that simple. You know? I mean, somebody's going to have a problem with everything that we say, no matter what. So it's true. It's true. It's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, I guess along those lines, too. What are your thoughts on other fad diets like? There's keto, paleo, intermittent fasting. I even yeah. heard about these supplements now, or I guess they're like non-alcoholic beverages that have adaptogens in them. I don't know <laughs> yeah, if you've heard about yeah. that. Yeah. So what yeah. are your thoughts on all of these things? So, okay. Number one, everybody's going to try and sell you on something, right? <laughs> so I think that's why I am controversial because I'm not selling you on anything. I'm literally, yeah. I'm, I'm just here to help. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not selling anybody on anything, but these diets are there, you're, they're selling you on it is what they're trying to do. And um, most of the time it comes into, we're playing on the fact that these diets help you lose weight. So it's either they help you lose weight or they are some type of a Band-Aid solution to a symptom that you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. So they're basically just feeding off of all of our insecurities. Every single diet is. That's literally all they're doing. Um, you know, intermittent fasting, one of the most stressful diets anybody could possibly do. But you're going to hear a million studies about how people go into, you know, autophagy and like all this. Like you're going to hear all these big words and think, oh, this must be great, right? If you actually dive into it, 
it's not. And I think it, that's the thing. A lot of us like thrive off of hearing about studies and stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> guys, like we know nothing about any of these people that participated in this study. We know nothing about the mice in this study. We know nothing about the controlled environment that they're in. <laughs> We've just become so disconnected from our own bodies that we're now seeking studies to tell us what we should be doing. So mm. we choose to go with like keto or, you know, intermittent fasting or any of these diets, does it make sense to completely eliminate a food group? Does it make sense to completely er eliminate carbs, our main source of fuel? Does it make sense to only eat one meal a day? No. Does it make sense to, you know, completely disregard protein? No. These are all things that our bodies need. So when we actually sit down and think about it, these, these are just super, super stressful on our bodies. I have mm -hmm. never had sick, one of, the, one of the main reasons why I focus a lot on like the diet culture stuff um, is because I've seen it, I've lived it. The sickest people are the ones that go down a diet road. So mm -hmm. you're doing something as a band-aid or to lose weight, give it a little bit of time and your body, since it's been running on cortisol and stress hormones for so long because of this diet is going to crash 100%. So I see it every time. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. And then what about those non-alcoholic drinks? Have you seen those or heard about them? I haven't, but I'm assuming it's just another one of those, you know, like you see all these things for like this new colostrum or this new this or this new that. And I'm just like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm even look like, at it. What's the point? Can it just be like, yeah, you have water, you have soda, you have juice. <laughs> like, yeah. Why does it need to be non-alcoholic alcohol? Like, what is the point? I know, I, mean, I know. I mean, I think whatever. we're just getting a lot of us are just so lost, you know, it's really, truly so simple to be healthy. Mm -hmm. um, but we're just getting lost in all of this marketing and this advertising and everybody just selling us on this and that and why we need this and That's why true. we need yeah. that, you know, when it's like, mm -hmm. just focus on eating real food, guys. That's all we need to do. <laughs> really, truly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, let's talk about hormones. I would love to first learn about some common signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalances and what people should be looking for, what they might overlook and think that it's, you know, something else. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say the most common hormonal imbalance that I see in my practice would be estrogen dominance. I see it in most of my clients and that's going to give you the symptoms of like the sore, painful breasts, um, you know, PMS, um, heavy periods, cramping, things like that. Even symptoms of anything that has to do with growth. So estrogen is the hormone of growth. So, um, cysts, fibroids, things like that. Basically, most hormonal imbalance symptoms are going to be leading to estrogen dominance, whether it be relative to progesterone or true estrogen dominance. So if it's true estrogen dominance, that means that your estrogen's high, but your progesterone is in range. So you do have enough progesterone, but your estrogen is just through the roof. Or if it's relative to progesterone, so your progesterone is so low that then that makes that estrogen high. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at those two hormones together when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, those are the typical symptoms, but I mean, it can range to so many different things, but again, the root, what's the root minerals 
and digestion. There's a reason why you're not detoxing. You know, your liver's backed up, your gut's backed up, whatever is backed up. You're not pooping every day to get rid of that estrogen. There's always a root cause um, and it always comes down to minerals and digestion pretty much every single time. So yeah. the hormonal piece is is simply very far downstream. So mm, Okay. Yeah. So I know you mentioned birth control earlier. That's mm-hmm. most likely a common you know, mistake that people make when they're trying to balance their hormones. I remember like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just going to go on birth control to help, you know, yeah. with my cramps or heavy period or whatever it is. So yeah. Yep. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And what are some other mistakes that people make? Yeah. So I was actually, I was on birth control for 12 years. So I am very familiar with birth control and I had extreme post birth control symptoms. Um, that was a whole time of my life, (laughs) but then again, why do I do what I do? It's because I've been through a lot of this stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so, um, birth control, huge mistake. We do not want to be taking birth control. It basically shuts off your entire hormonal system. That ebb and flow that I was talking about doesn't exist. You're not ovulating. You're not having an actual true period. You're just having a bleed. Um, So birth control is a big one. And then when you get more in depth into it, um, a lot of the times, if you were to go down the alternative route, um, people are going to recommend things like seed cycling, um, taking supplements like DIM, stuff like that. Okay, to I haven't help. heard about any of these. So can you yeah. explain what is yeah. seed cycling and all of this? Yeah, totally. So I, this is usually what happens. So you get put on birth control. This is the, this is the life cycle that I see women go through. You get put on birth control. You're on that conventional type stuff. Um, maybe you go on like metformin or you go on these pharmaceuticals and then you start learning more about like alternative health and you're like, okay, like the more holistic minded people are saying, I shouldn't be doing this. But a lot of them then are going to recommend things like dim supplementation or seed cycling, um, tons of cruciferous vegetables to help balance your hormones. And that stuff right there (laughs) actually creates more of a problem in your body. Um, the seed cycling, I, I don't know if you've heard me talk about like PUFAs before, but polyunsaturated fats. Um, yeah, so those are found in like nuts and seeds. It's in canola oil. It's in sunflower oil. Um, it's just a really unstable fat that goes rancid in your body. And this tends to be the the fat that's prominent in these seeds. So we have like flax seeds. So basically seed cycling is you take a tablespoon, you eat a tablespoon of flax seed, sunflower seed, and then like a couple other seeds that are supposed to help balance your your hormones during that time. (laughs) So it's supposed to mimic what should what your hormone cycle should be doing each each week basically so you're basically giving your body estrogen <laughs> makes a ton of sense if you have estrogen dominance right which most of us do so that's a huge mistake i've never seen people feel worse i remember most of my clients talk about how bad their boobs hurt when they start doing seed cycling because yeah mm-hmm. it's like it's actually creating more of a problem um, plus then you have the rancidity of the of the polyunsaturated fats that are creating oxidative stress in your system and basically just going rancid in your body when you consume them. So we have that whole factor. And then the cruciferous vegetables. DIM is basically a very concentrated cruciferous vegetable supplement, I guess is what you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like 
really, really, really potent. And a lot of doctors will recommend this if your estrogen is high and because it's supposed to help with phase one estrogen detox. But the problem is, is that we have all, we have about three different, three to five different phases of estrogen and just addressing one phase isn't going to help the fact that this person is not pooping every day. It's not going to help that their methylation is whack. It's not going to help that, um, you know, that their liver is burdened so that they're not able to actually get rid of it. Or the fact that they're not producing bile to help escort that estrogen out of the body. So by just taking that one supplement, you're not doing your body any favors. So um, that's typically what I end up seeing is people going down this like conventional route and then ending, ending up in the alternative holistic route, finding all of that. And then they end up finding my page and being like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess all I need to do, yeah, all I need to do is just eat a raw carrot salad and focus on food. You know? So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, I know there's so many, you know, hormonal changes that women go through, you know, puberty, pregnancy, menopause, mm -hmm. perimenopause, like it's yeah. just, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to deal with. So yeah. How do you suggest, I know you've mentioned food. Are there any specific tips that you would have for people navigating those hormonal shifts? Totally. Yeah. So in reality, I mean, we shouldn't necessarily like we do have those phases, right? But mm -hmm. those phases shouldn't be looked at any different than like the day we were born, right? We should mm -hmm. always be focusing on nourishing our body, making sure that we are getting in the most nutrient dense foods possible. And that is going to have an easier transition, your children going through puberty, um, you know, into adulthood, and then through menopause and the reproductive years and all of that it all is, is is determined how well you go through those phases is going to be determined on how well your diet is how many nutrients you're getting all that are you getting those minerals to supply your body energy to be able to go through those phases of life mm -hmm. so Unfortunately, we do live in this world where people see these certain phases or certain things as almost like a disease. Like there's literally people out there that think of like menopause as like a disease. And it's like, no, this is a totally natural part of life. We don't need to be taking hormone replacement therapy. Like this is a natural part of life. We, you mm -hmm. know, this isn't a disease. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of us, you know, we've just grown up thinking our bodies are just like dirty and like, you know, we get our periods and like, that's not a good, you know, that's bad. And like, there's just so many like things revolving around um, us thinking our bodies are are bad. And I think that thought process alone um, isn't supportive of any of those phases of, of life. But yeah, it really does all come down to nourishment, focusing on those types of functional foods that I mentioned, blood sugar balance, huge. I mean, if we're not, the number one thing a woman can do for hormone balance is blood sugar, is making sure that your blood sugar is stable all day long. And guess mm -hmm. what? That's going to require eating pretty often, eating every three to four hours, eating within 30 minutes of waking up, ditching coffee on an empty stomach. You know, um, you'll notice a lot of us like stress eat and, or, you know, we'll binge later in the day because we haven't eaten all day. Like that's yeah. so bad for our hormones, our digestive mm -hmm. system, our nervous system, all of that. So really focusing on nourishing foods and eating every three hours, no coffee on empty stomachs, no stimulants on empty stomach, eating within, eating within 30 minutes of waking up. Those are like, I like literally people will feel like a new woman just doing that alone, mm -hmm. you know, and that will, yeah. that will turn into an easy transition into every phase of life. 
Yeah. That's so simple too. <laughs> it seems yeah. easy. I know I'm yeah. really bad about not eating during the day because yeah. I'll just like start working and just focusing on work and just be so busy. And yeah. yeah. And do you yeah. notice how much better of a person you are when you do eat though, right? <laughs> yeah, do you true. not feel like a way better person? Like people, you're better to be around. Mm-hmm. Like you're not exactly. as moody. Like you're <laughs> able to like flow through the day very nicely. Whereas very when true. you're not eating, yeah. like you can be kind of a grouch. Like nobody hey, that's wants where they to be around hangry. You. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you'll just, you'll be a better person and you'll feel better when you eat in a pretty consistent (laughs) manner. So it might require some like meal planning, meal prepping, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, But it's worth it. It's totally worth it in the end. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I know you mentioned this earlier. I want to circle back because I feel like I know this has been a conversation among my friends is getting off birth control. What did you mm. call it? That post birth control <laughs> and what happened? Post birth control syndrome. Okay, um, I yeah. think who uh-huh. was it? Dr. Jolene Brighton. I think she was the one that coined that term. Um, and basically what can happen is your body is you haven't been making your own hormones for how long, right? Like mm-hmm. depending on how long you've been on the pill, you haven't been making your own hormones. You've also, the pill is known to deplete vitamins and minerals from your body. So you're basically in this, in this situation where when you go off, your body is super depleted. And not only that, your body is working really hard to try and make its own hormones again and get that cycle going again, getting you ovulating again. So a lot of the times people will go off birth control and notice they feel terrible and it can show up in all different ways. For some people, it can attack different areas. So for me, it was like my digestive system. I noticed I had insane histamine issues because my estrogen came back online. My estrogen was through the roof and that was just recirculating histamine issues and causing more gut problems. Um, So everybody has different experience with it, um, but you can usually plan on having for me, it was two years of symptoms after going off wow. birth control. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. nourished or anything. So a big part of my job, if I do work with somebody that's trying to go off birth control, is getting their body, getting those foundations down, those nutrition mm-hmm. foundations down, getting their bodies nourished and feeling really good. And then they have a better transition going off. Whereas somebody like me, the reason why is because I was actually... Um, on a super restrictive diet, I was way underweight, I was under eating, over exercising, and then decided I was going to go off of the pill. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, it was just kind of the perfect shitstorm basically for me. Um, but my job is to get your body to a better place before you go off of the birth control, basically. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And does it matter what type of birth control that you're on? Um, no, if it's um, most people are on the combo pill. Um, but typically you're going, if it's a pill of any sort, like you're going to have some issues. Most Mm -hmm. people that are on like the copper IUD have a better time going off. But of course that then, you know, you have the, the the copper IUD is a whole different thing, but you're basically putting this thing, this device in a super sensitive tissue area of your body. Um, and you're absorbing that copper and then that can lead to mineral imbalances. That's a whole different, that's a whole different thing, but any type, any combo birth control, um, combination birth control with synthetic hormones of any kind is going to be pretty difficult to come off Mm -hmm. of. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've been there too. <laughs> Try to get off. Yeah. I'm currently off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not a fan. I have had the worst experience on birth control. So yeah, yeah it's, it's tough. Not, not it's fun. tough. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I felt fine when I was on it. So most women will be like, well, I feel fine on it. I don't want to go off, but, um, you're not doing your body any favors. You're literally suppressing your cycle by, mm-hmm. by being on birth control, you know? Yeah. So you're mm-hmm. never ovulating. And if we're not ovulating, we're not producing our own progesterone. And progesterone is so important. It's anti-aging. It's, um, you know, pro-metabolic, pro-thyroid. It's just a fantastic hormone. And we're never going to produce that on our own if we're on birth control. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know we talked a little bit about stress and how that can impact digestion and ultimately lead to disease. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, how to help mitigate those effects, like what we can do? Yeah, yeah, totally. So the best way, and I'm going to probably say it again, but the (laughs) best way to become more resilient to stress is to provide your body those nourishing foods and do it often every three to four hours. The best way to build resiliency in your body is to create safety in your body. So by giving your body what it needs and not having it guess, like, so this constant guessing game of like, is she gonna feed me? Is she gonna feed me? Just Mm. stresses your system out. So by by feeding yourself every three to four hours and having kind of like a schedule, that's going to be the best way to build resiliency against stress. Um, also, you know, like, cause that's, like I said, like some stressors you can't help, but a lot of the times when we're stressed out, we don't eat. And that's like the worst thing we can possibly be doing. And that's what then ends up leading to disease. Um, we mm-hmm. end up having, it's kind of like we have these like stages of stress and eventually you hit that burnout stage and that could have been prevented if you actually just fed yourself appropriately, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, eating frequency is huge and making sure just nourishing your body, just really providing it with all of those really nourishing foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess this is kind of going back to the hormones. I think adrenal fatigue, does that, mm-hmm. is that related to hormones? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not even so. sure. But I would like to know more about it because I had heard this term like maybe a year or two ago. And I was like, I feel like that's what's happening to me. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, I didn't totally. know what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think we all hit that point where we're like, oh, we have adrenal fatigue because it is, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, it's kind of one of those terms that's like all over the place. And I wouldn't necessarily call it adrenal fatigue. Um, I would just say that your adrenals aren't functioning appropriately, or maybe you have like low cortisol or your cortisol is all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. But fatigue is kind of a strong word. I mean, you'd have to have like, what is it like Addison's disease? Like you'd have to be like really ill yeah. for your adrenals to just like check out. Right. Um, yeah. So your adrenals aren't checking out they're just struggling. Um, so basically your adrenals are responsible for, um, your stress hormones. So, um, when your cortisol, which I'm sure you've probably, probably heard about cortisol before. Um, so it's responsible for how you handle stress. And so most of us are in this chronic state where we're just like in fight or flight mode and we're just super heightened. Our cortisol, it's fine. Our cortisol is fine. Like that's, that's a natural response to stress. But the problem is, is that we're living in a state of stress so much when back in the day, your cortisol should only really rise if you're like running from a bear, right? It shouldn't mm. shouldn't be all the time, all day long, chron- chronically stressed out, chronically high cortisol. So basically, 
what happens is your cortisol is super high for a super long period of time. This is what's causing disease in your body and then it crashes. And that's when you start to experience insane symptoms of that adrenal fatigue is what they're, that's basically mm -hmm. where that term comes from. Um, but yeah, what does, what does it come down to though? Your adrenals, what do they need? They need a lot of minerals to do mm -hmm. their job. So um, the hair tissue mineral analysis test actually shows us kind of what's going on with your adrenals. Your adrenals love salt. If you're not consuming enough salt in your diet, you're not gonna be nourishing your adrenals. Um, your adrenals play a massive role in blood sugar balance. So if you're, if you're not eating appropriately, often enough, you're not supplying your adrenals what they need, and your adrenals just get super, super taxed by that as well. So there's a lot to it. I mean, I could do an entire like dissertation on adrenal glands <laughs> just yeah. in general. Wait, so um, can you just give a couple of examples, I guess, of some signs or symptoms that somebody might be having and they can be like, oh yeah, this might be my adrenals and I need to look into this. Yeah, yeah. So basically you can't address your th your adrenals without addressing your thyroid too. They're constantly mm. talking to each other. So, um, you know, if your adrenals are burnt out, your thyroid's going to struggle. If your thyroid's struggling, your adrenals are going to burn out. So you, you kind of need to address both of those at the same time. But um, so fatigue, just that, that, that term fatigue, just waking up tired, even after, you know, having a good night's sleep or that wired tired feeling is a huge one. So, um, you can be tired all day and then at night, all of a sudden you get this like, you know, second wind type of a feeling, <laughs> yeah. um, having like exercise intolerance, that can be a big one where you just feel exhausted. Like while you're working out dizziness, huge one. Um, especially when, when your adrenals are really taxed, this was something that I had back in the day where I would be dizzy all day long, just con chronically dizzy all day. Um, so yeah, dizziness, just feeling overly fatigued, even after a good night's sleep. Um, anxiety is a big one too. If your adrenals are stressed out, basically any symptom of stress <laughs> is going to be what it would be if you have adrenal issues as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Blood sugar dips, so hypoglycemia. Like I mentioned, your adrenals kind of run the show for blood sugar. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, if your adrenals are taxed, then you're going to experience hypoglycemia. T somebody that has adrenal fatigue is going to benefit from actually eating every like two hours as opposed to three or four hours. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, you're going to have those, those dips, those hypoglycemia mm -hmm. type symptoms and like that shaking and you're not going to be able to handle um, coffee yeah. very well, like getting kind of or just kind of feeling kind of crazy and that kind of stuff when you drink caffeine. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I remember feeling extremely tired <laughs> mm -hmm. and I was just like, okay, I guess I do need to rest. I feel like this is probably yeah. something that's very common with entrepreneurs. You know, we work, 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 get burned out. And then yep. you have to take a break, even if you don't want to, <laughs> totally. your body is going to force you to take a break. I've heard that saying, you know, like eventually, yeah. You know. And that's what happens is yeah. your body has been speaking to you for a very long time. And now it's like, okay, now I got to do something about it. And I did, I learned mm -hmm. my lesson, especially, you know, since I, this is my business, you know, I, I have my own business and everything too. And I learned my lesson and I would say just like two years ago, I kind of like actually really started to listen to my body and really come out of that stressed out state. Um, and I have never felt better in my life. I have just completely altered my, the way that I do business, how I take clients, my entire business model. I have completely altered it so that I am way less stressed out and I can do things on my own terms just so that I don't reach that level because I did mm -hmm. reach that insane burnout level at one point running my own business. And 
I was like very physically ill because of it because yeah. I did reach that that crash and burn. Yeah. yeah. Can you share just a couple of examples of what you did? I know being a service yeah. provider is hard because you do have to like that whole trade your time for money. Like you have to actually yeah. go and exert yourself and meet people potentially face to face or whatever. So yeah. Totally. What, what did you do? Yeah. So I do think it does kind of depend on the type of person that you are. I am, I may not appear to be super introverted, but I am, I'm a very introverted person. So me having a lot of calls on my plate is not good for me. I physically don't feel well if I am on like four calls a day. Can't do that. And of course, when I was first building my business, I was doing a lot of one-on-one client work. So mm-hmm. my the type of st- work that I do is a lot of work. So I would have like a call with a client. Then after that call, I'm creating a protocol for like an hour or two. Then I would drop on another call with another client and then be creating protocols for them afterwards. And then it's just like, it was just so much work. And my calendar was just so overly full. And it's like, I almost felt like I couldn't catch a break, you know? And, um, the, you know, when you're an entrepreneur too, at the time you're kind of thinking, oh, I shouldn't take any more clients, but you do because you're like, but that's money. You know what I mean? And you kind of like, I should be doing this. And um, I had to really just come to terms that like, okay, one-on-one clients were not working for me because I can't physically talk for that long during the day without feeling so exhausted. That's just not my vibe. I am very introverted and I I can't do that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. learning a lot about myself was a big factor in me changing the way that my business operates. Um, so I learned that about myself, that that's just not something that I can physically do. Um, and then I ended up teaming up with my assistant at the time. Um, and now we have a business together and we created a membership, um, and, um, we, we basically do all of our work together. We both take labs in the membership. I also altered the way that I do labs. So rather than doing one-on-one client calls, um, I do like video interpretations. Um, they still get the same one-on-one support, but rather than us hopping on a call, it actually is way better because I can go in way more depth on their labs and their case, mm-hmm. as opposed to us sitting and chatting for like an hour and a half and I'm not able to tell them everything that I wanna tell them. So I can just send them a video and then they can send me a message back about everything that they learned from the video and their protocol Mm -hmm. and all of the things. And that just works so much better for me because I can do it on my own time. Like it's just those few changes have completely changed my entire life, completely Mm -hmm. changed my life. Everything is on my own terms, my own schedule now, which is incredible. So, I love that. Yeah, that was really yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I know we're running out of time. I just have one more question. If you had one tip that people could do where you'd say, like, do this no matter how busy you are, whatever, and it will make a big impact on your overall health, what would that tip be? Uh, I would say, okay, so number one, I have a couple, but I think the first one <laughs> okay. would be <laughs> the coffee thing I mentioned. Do not drink coffee on an empty stomach and do not drink black coffee. Make sure there's some cream in there, maybe some sugar, make yourself a latte. Um, <laughs> that is go- that's going to create major adrenal problems if you're having it on an empty stomach. So stop the empty stomach coffee drinking. That's number one. Um, the other would be adding salt to your waters. So getting a good water filter, number one. So making sure your water is nice and clean. So like a nice reverse osmosis filter or something along those lines. Don't drink out of plastic water bottles. Your fridge filter is probably garbage. Like we need to have clean water. So 
Make sure you're getting clean, clean water. Reverse osmosis is going to be the best. And then add salt to that. So a nice, good sea salt. I like like Jacobson's. Um, Crucial 4 is good. Um, Redmond's Real Salt is also okay. Um, Malden's is okay. But adding salt to every water that you drink. So there, we're in this phase where people, have you ever seen people drinking those massive like gallon jugs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. You are destroying yourself. You're basically just pissing out all of your minerals and creating <laughs> insane imbalance. Um, you need to be adding salt because that salt's going to help you to actually absorb that water. And then guess what? Like I had mentioned before, it's also helping to support your adrenals. Mm. So by having salt in your water, you're also supporting your adrenals throughout that. But yeah, you can't absorb that water without salt. You need the sodium yeah. to absorb it. So yeah. Okay. That's, that's a really good tip. And I feel like yeah. those are both very easy for, for people yeah. to do. So yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, where can people connect with you, follow you online? Yeah. So, um, Instagram is going to be your best bet, um, at wild lions wellness. And then, um, I would say that's probably the best place to find me now that I think mm -hmm. about it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I have some courses and, um, my membership is awesome. It's a private group. We have about 350 to 400 members in there. Um, and you can, that's where you can run labs. You can, you know, hang out with me and my, my business partner who's also a nutritionist. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, I'd love if you subscribed and left us a review. Another way to support the podcast is to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram story. Tag me at First Hustle Then Brunch so I can repost it. Thank you so much for supporting the show and I'll see you in the next episode.